With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Ron Barr, and this is today's edition of Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. We remember baseball player and manager Ralph Terry, who passed away recently. Ralph Terry has joined us on Sports Byline. Ralph, of course, played in the major leagues, very successful, particularly uh, in World Series action. And he's a former pitcher who was best known as the MVP of the 1962 World Series and for giving up the walk-off home run to Bill Mazarowski that enabled the Pittsburgh Pirates to win the 1960 World Series. And he is the only pitcher to throw the final pitch in two World Series Game 7s and he has his autobiography out, and it's rightfully called Right Down the Middle, The Ralph Terry Story. Ralph, uh, I know it says in your bio information that you were born in Big Cabin, Oklahoma. Kind of give us a visual picture of what Big Cabin in the area that you grew up in was like. Well, I was in a farming uh, community area in, in uh, northeast Oklahoma, and Big Cabin was a uh, I think they may have had 250 people, a population. <laughs> and then uh, I went to a country school and, uh, you know, during the World War II and got out. Uh, we'd, we'd run three miles to school and back barefooted a lot of times. And uh, in fourth grade, moved into Chelsea and, uh, and, and Will Rogers County. And uh, it was a population of 2,500. My dad was in the in the Navy. He joined the Navy there early in the war and spent four years in the Pacific. And uh, he was a CB, and uh, he could also cut hair. And his highlights was World War II. Was he got to shave Admiral Nimitz? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I grew up in I grew up in Chelsea, and uh, and there was uh, commerce. Oklahoma was not far from there, and. But that's where Mickey Mantle uh, was from, and he was a senior. I was in the eighth grade, and uh, I saw him play all through high school, and uh, he was an inspiration. He, we were signed by the same scout, and uh, a guy named Tom Greenway, who was a great scout, and uh, and that was it. I got you know, ended up signing with the Yankees, and uh, going. To, uh, they signed me to a big league contract when I was eighteen, and uh, but they had three options they could 
sent me down to the minor leagues for three years. And uh, so anyway, then I came up in 1960 at the age of 20 and uh, pitched my uh, first game in Boston. And the uh, Yankees had lost six games in a row, and uh, and uh, Boston had won six games in a row, and they had the biggest crowd they'd had since the '48 playoff game. And I was I was uh, warming up on the sideline. I was so nervous, I I couldn't look up at the crowd, and uh, I'm bouncing the ball up to the catcher, <laughs> and, and uh, finally I get in the game, and uh, the first batter was uh, Billy Goodman, was a, a good you know hit 300 hitter at that time, and uh, Yogi. Yogi Bear's behind a plate, and Yogi puts a mitt right in the center of the plate and puts down one finger for a fastball. And I said, "Wow, well, probably ought to be pitching low and outside or curve or something. He's a pretty good hitter. No, Yogi said, come on, come on, give me one. And so I was nervous. I threw it, and it just was a pure strike. It just split the heart of the plate right down the middle. And uh, John Woolley, the author, we were looking for a title, and he said, that's it. That's the title. <laughs> well, let me take you back for just a second, back to Oklahoma, because at the beginning of the book, you talk about Cal Pastor Ball, and you say the very first line in your book, the day I saw my first ball game. Describe that to me. This was uh, it was a Sunday afternoon in uh, a little community of Bitter Creek, and it was a, they had a country schoolhouse, and the section lines crossed there, and, uh, and they, had a, they had an open field, with a little backstop, and uh, and they, you know, the county road graders, they came out and they graded off the infield, and uh, and they put down some old gunny sacks full of, full of seed for the bases, and uh, and and my dad uh, played, and I was uh, I was probably five years old, and that's the first baseball game uh, I'd ever seen, and. Uh, and then here comes a flatbed truck pulled in from a neighboring town of Pryor, and, and the ball players jumped off the back and hopped out and started playing catch. And pretty soon the game, a game started, and people came from miles around on on horseback and wagons and Model A Fords and, uh, and to, to watch the game. And uh, I remember about the game, uh, my dad was pitching a little bit, and, uh, and the guy hit a line drive right back at him, smack, and he caught it, you know. I'll never forget that. I was just a little guy when I first first baseball game I ever saw. When you mentioned about uh, about being scouted and signed with the Yankees, I mean, what did you know about the city of New York at that time? I didn't. I really didn't know anything other than uh, you know we'd followed it. They had just come out, you know, with television, the World Series and stuff, and uh, black and white. And Allie Reynolds was a Oklahoma. A uh, great pitcher from Oklahoma, and Mickey Mantle was getting started and going strong, and uh, we were fans of them, and also fans of the Cardinals. At the same time, we get all their radio broadcasts with Harry Carey, and you know it was a, a scout drove up and a uh, Green Lady and drove a big black Cadillac. He got out and said, "Son, how would you pl- like to play in the biggest city in the world?" He said, uh, "The big three: Allie, Ra- Allie Reynolds, Vic Rashi, and Eddie Lopat." They're getting a little older, and, and you'll be coming up just at the right time. I said, where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> Tell everybody about the $100 pitch. I go, uh, <clears throat> a couple months before I signed, was in, uh, this was in November. I, uh, um, I, I, I was flown to uh, uh, Pittsburgh by, uh, oh, uh, 
what's his name? It's Jazz signed uh, Jackie Robinson. And uh, anyway, he, he he brings me out and uh, and uh, warms me up at Forbes Field, and uh, it was uh, you know cold November day, and the Steelers were working out, and and I'm warmed up with a catcher, and uh, so uh, I'm warmed up, and, and uh, he he lays a hundred dollar bill down where home plate would be, and he said, "Hit that, and I'll give it to you." And uh, I just missed it. And I said, well, give me one more chance. Okay. I hit the $100 bill. And uh, and he gave it to me. <laughs> I'd never seen a $100 bill. <laughs> when you walked into Yankee Stadium for the very first time, what was your reaction to it? That is, that's a, I'm glad you asked. That, that, was, uh, that was like playing baseball in an opera house. You know the, the high grandstand and uh, and uh, and especially out in right field. And when the guy had hit a ball, a home run or a really good shot, it had a it had a, a sound to it, the purest sound. You know, it's uh, uh, and uh, I'll never forget that. You know, it's just like you know, it's like to a golfer, it's like playing in St Andrews or something. It's like the birthplace of baseball or something. It's just so impressive, and it was. A, that was the place. Were you intimidated to any degree by not only Yankee Stadium, but the players that were on the Yankees, which was, you know, the club in Major League Baseball at that time? No, I I wasn't, I wasn't intimidated because I'd been in spring training with them, you know, for three years, and, and I knew them, and, uh, and uh, so I, I felt comfortable. We, had, we really had great coaches. And, uh, you know, playing for Casey Stengel and... Uh, Casey was he was he was a great manager, maybe the greatest of all time. But uh, I I felt really comfortable. I want to get in there and show him what I could do. (laughs) Did you guys uh, laugh uh, as much about Casey and his malaprops as uh, everybody that has read about those malaprops over the years? The things that he would say and the way he would say them. Yeah, yeah. Casey was uh, he he was hilarious. Some of his meetings were, were. he used to say, uh, if we lose two or three games in a row, he'd say, you dang guys got to start playing better. Or that moving van's pulling out in front of your house, and you're going to <laughs> Kansas City. <laughs> then, then another time, uh, uh, Mickey Mantle would strike out, and he'd, he'd uh, come in and throw his bat down, his helmet down, and kick the water cooler and go up the runway from the dugout to, and you know, holler and cussing. And Billy Martin, uh, you know, idolized him. You know, Billy would strike out, and he'd do the same thing: throw the bat, throw the helmet, kick the water cooler. See, you know, he just imitated Mickey almost. But didn't he realize it? So Casey held a special meeting. He said, "It's getting where it ain't safe in that dugout when you when you guys strike out." He said, "You you got to learn to take it. Bite your lip." So, Better yet, uh, laugh it off. You know, he's like he's talking to two, two of his little kids or something. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Hey, so, Ralph, go ahead. Yeah, so they, uh, so they, uh, next time, a couple days later, they faced the left hand, had a big slow curve. They both chased and struck out, you know. They came in and laid down the dugout floor and started laughing. <laughs> that dirty <laughs> so and so, he got me again on that slow curve. <laughs> Casey said, all right, knock it off. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's funny. Ralph, hold on just a second. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. We have Ralph Terry with us. And Ralph, of course, won uh, two World Series when he was playing with the New York Yankees and, of course, closed down a couple of those championship game number sevens. We'll continue talking to him about his life, about the career he had, and also about the great Yankees as we continue on Sports Byline. You're listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We continue remembering Ralph Terry. Ralph Terry is with us on Sports Byline. Check out his book, his autobiography. It's called Right Down the Middle, about his fine career. He played 12 seasons for the Yankees, Indians, and Mets, won two World Series, and he led the American League in wins in 1962 with 23. And with the Yankees, he played with the likes of Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Yogi Berra, Whitey Ford, Billy Martin, Moose Scourin, and, of course, played on one of the biggest baseball stages on earth, Yankee Stadium. Uh, when I look at the Yankees, and I think people to this day still talk about the aura of the Yankees, can you define that aura? Well, uh, you know, DiMaggio was just going out, and you know, he was he, he was a great era, and then the the Yankees had won five World Series in a row, forty nine through fifty three, which was an incredible run. Uh, our uh, uh, and they made two great trades during my era that I think set the American League back about 10 years when they got bullet Bob Turley and Don Perfect Game Larson from Baltimore in a big multiple-player trade. And then the other trade was when they got Roger Maris and wired him and Mickey Mantle back-to-back in the lineup. And that, uh, that uh, I was on that 61 team, and when we hit over 240 home runs, was the most in history prior to the designated hitter and lowering the mound and all, all the new ballparks being smaller. And, uh, but, you know, Maris, uh, Maris batted third in front of Mickey, and he only got one intentional walk all year. <laughs> it really helped him get the record. But uh, he did it. He broke Ruth's record and held it for 37 years, longer than Ruth held it. He was a two-time most valuable player, which means he was a dominant player in his era, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's a sad thing, but uh, he was truly, truly an outstanding player. Um, but you know, playing with Mickey and Roger and Yogi and Elson Howard, John Blank, had a great, great catching staff. They had 62 home runs that year, and uh, we had what they call a million-dollar infield: uh, Cleet Boyer on third, and uh, uh, Tony Kubak on short, Bobby Richardson on second, and Moose Scourin on third. 
and the million dollar infield. And you know, somebody once wrote, watching Cleet Boyer play third base was like God came down to play third. That's how good he was. (laughs) One of Uh, the things uh, that I always wondered about, because I was a young kid uh, during that period of time, was that the Yankees were known as hard playing, hard charging, and also hard playing off the field as well. I mean, they caroused. I think you know it as well. There's the stories about Mickey. There's the stories about Billy and everything. How were they able to be so successful on the field when they were playing as hard as they were off the field and drinking? I never, I never saw, I never saw Mickey play with, you know, uh, drunk or anything like that. I never. He was like he and Billy. Uh, they were. I think you know. After hours, they were just killing time. They couldn't wait to get back on the field and and, and beat somebody. I mean, that's what they truly uh, lived for. I remember when when we were playing in uh, Boston and uh, Ted Williams grounded out one time. It's in September and the races were ten games up. It's all over. And Ted Williams grounded out and rounded back by our dugout on his way around his dugout. Billy Martin got up on the dugout steps and. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to go trout fishing this fall too, but I got to play in that damn classic again. And uh, Ed Williams say, "Go to hell, you little bastard." <laughs> <laughs> Let it me... was uh, they lived to play, and we needed the money. If we lost the game, that clubhouse, you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> and it was, I mean, we needed the money. The minimum salary was six thousand dollars a man. And um, the World Series, the sixty World Series. Losers, we got forty-eight hundred dollars a man. The winners got six thousand, and uh, you, know, you can you can imagine, you can see the differential in what they get today. You know, it's interesting. Uh, there was a period of time when most people felt that New York was the mecca of baseball because you had three teams at one time there: the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Yankees. Can you talk about that period uh, when that was the case there? What made it? I mean, if you think about the the center fielders uh, that they had had there, that kind of right. says it all, doesn't it? Right. Yeah, well, Snyder and, and Dodger and say, hey, Willie Mays and the Giants and then uh, and Mickey Mantle and I mean that it, it didn't get any better. You know, the uh, I guess you had to get a winner in a big city. I heard stories of earlier when I played when. You know, like the old St. Louis Browns or teams like that, they couldn't make their payroll till they played the Yankees. So, <laughs> so the Yankees were supposedly the next to Barnum and Bailey. They were the biggest road show on earth. You know, they draw over three million on the road, and it was uh, they 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 paid the freight. You we we mentioned the fact that you won two World Series, and uh, let me ask you about the nineteen sixty two season. It was your best year. You go twenty three and twelve. You had thirty nine starts, but this is the stat that jumped out at me. And when I think about pitchers th- these years uh, at this time, <laughs> it, it, it's a big thing if you go two hundred innings. You went two hundred ninety eight and two thirds innings pitch right. with one hundred and seventy six strikeouts and only fifty seven walks. How did you do that? Oh well, I was uh, I, I had good control, uh, and uh, you know we had good catching staff, and uh, and uh, Mickey Mantle, <laughs> the center field in Yankee State was so so big out there left center, and uh, and uh, Mickey, Mickey Mantle said one day he was kidding me and Whitey Ford. He said, uh, you know, if we'd had a, if we'd had a good pitching staff, he said I'd last another five years, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, it was uh, 
it was I just saved two games in relief, and uh, I beat uh, the Twins five and zero. They were second by five games, and it was just it was just a good year. Sixty one, I was sixteen and three. It would have been a good year. I missed six weeks of the season early with a sore shoulder, but uh, Mickey. Uh, uh, Mickey used to say, he said, the 61 team may not have been the best in baseball, but I can't think of one any better. When you take a look, let's go back to the 1960 World Series. That's the one that a lot of people remember. Uh, you were 0-2 in two games, one start, one relief appearance, and you did give up the Bill Mazeroski walk-off home run in Game 7. Now, I was a young kid in school, and at that time, you'd sneak your uh, transistor radios into class, and you'd be listening to the ball game while the teacher is teaching and everything. And I'll never forget when that home run was hit. I didn't have a team in the World Series, meaning I didn't root for either one of the teams. But when that home run was hit, I stood up and yelled. Tell me a little bit about that home run and about that seventh game. Well, it was a, it was a. I lost the fourth game, three to two, and and we won. Uh, we won all the big high-scoring blowouts, fifteen to nothing, ten to nothing, you know, and, the, and they'd be a three to two, four to two. Anyway, the seventh game, we go in and it was a high-scoring game, and they said it was a. It was a, in that game nobody struck out. There wasn't one strikeout, and uh, there were a couple of key calls in there that that. Well, the, the one ball. Uh, uh, there was a double play ground ball hit the Kubek and took a bad hop and hit him in the throat, and uh, and they led to a big inning. And then uh, Hal Smith hit a three run homer in the uh, in the eighth, and and Jim Coates had him struck out uh, two strikes. He, he he had a check swing and he came around and jerked his bat back, but replay showed he had the bat was actually pointing at the pitcher and he jerked it back and up our didn't see it and. Uh, Nowadays they get the replay. He would have been out, but uh, they uh, they uh, next pitch he hit over the left center field wall for a three run homer. And uh, so I come in to mop up. I got the last out in the eighth. Then we scored two runs, tied the score nine to nine. And I go back out, but I'd warmed up on this uh, one mound five times, uh, starting with Bob Turley and Bill Stafford and Bobby Shantz and Jim Coates, and finally I get in the game. And uh, I'd warned us one mound was really steep, a small mound. And, and I got in the game, and, uh, and they had a, a big high mound, but it was flat. And my foot, front foot had come down a little bit earlier, and I was used to and everything was high. And uh, I couldn't get the ball down. And uh, the first pitch I threw mass was high, you know, about shoulder high. And uh, the catcher, John Blanchard, came running out, and he said, you got to get the ball down. This guy's a high ball hitter. And um, I'll get it down, you know. So the next pitch I got down was about belt high, <laughs> hit it over the fence, and the, you know the crowd went, crowd went crazy. I, I really uh, felt, you know, after that game, I felt worse for Casey Stengel, the manager. That was his last year, and uh, so he'd given me my opportunities, and uh, so I, I, I went in to see him in his office after the game, and. Uh, Mickey was in tears. He had a great series, and uh, I mean, it's the only time I ever saw him cry. It was, it was a, a tough loss. But we felt that Casey was going to leave before the game. He made a speech. He said, you "Guys, it's been a great year and everything, and we're going to scatter after the game, and I won't get to say goodbye to all of you, but I'll have to congratulate Murtaugh or he'd congratulate me on television." So we sort of felt that he was, you know, he was saying goodbye. 
And uh, so I went into his office after, and here there was Casey Stengel, maybe the greatest manager in history. He's, he's taking his uniform off. He's sitting there, and his his pants were down. His his, his Yankee jersey was off, uh, unbuttoned, and he's taking off the Yankee uniform for the last time. We remembered former pitcher Ralph Terry, who is best known as the MVP of the 62 World Series. He threw the final pitch in two World Series Game 7s. Ralph Terry, gone but never forgotten on Sports Byline. You have been listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.